0: Okay, everyone, thank you for coming to the People's School for Marxist Leninist Studies meeting tonight. Tonight, we're going to be interviewing the General Secretary of the Party of Communist USA, going over a few questions with him, Dr. Angelo D'Angelo, who has been in the communist movement for many decades and has a lot of experience that I think we could all learn from. And so, Comrade Angelo, I just really want to start with the first question, and it's going to be, why the original split from the CPUSA? Why did the PCUSA, the Party of Communists, split from the Communist Party.
1: Thank
2: you for that question. It's an important question. We tend in our history not to be splitters. We're not splitters. However, and there's always a however, what happened in the CP was a little different. Gus Hall passed away, he was the general secretary in the year two thousand. The new group came in, Sam Webb and John Bechtel. Sam Webb is no longer in the party he resigned and he officially became a member of the Democratic Party the bourgeois party the Democratic Party so what happened was that after Gus Hall died the new leadership that took over told us that they're taking a new direction and many of us who were working with Soviet friendship societies US friends of Soviet people and groups like that We were told that the party wasn't interested in that role anymore. Soviet Union was gone. Eastern Europe was gone. We're facing a new world. We could no longer show connections with the Soviet Union. We disagreed with them. Many clubs disagreed. The Transit Club in New York City, the Staten Island Club in New York City, which had 24 members. That was the club I was in. And and Staten Island, which is very conservative. We had 24 members which is a large number, and we were told, and the club in Los Angeles, club in Texas, other clubs around the country in Indiana, where they were told that that's not our program anymore. When we objected to it, all they did is cut us off. This is what happened. We did not leave them. They left us. There's a difference. They left us, and they just cut us off like that, and we didn't even know we were cut off. So we were forced to regroup and reform a Marxist-Leninist party, just like the old CP was.
0: In that regard, where it's more than the party split from the original branch, let's say. Instead of it splitting, it seems more that the party itself was left on its own devices. So is that what you would say separates the party from other organizations, such as DSA, the PSL, and Worker's World, whereas those are more like splits from different organizations, the party of communists is more that it was forced to deal with these issues on its own?
2: Exactly. You hit it right in the head. All the others split. And ultras, we call them ultras, comrade. Ultras have a tendency to split. Lenin wanted us to stay together. There were times that we had to split because our foundation was different. For example, the Russian Social Democratic Party was split between the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks. But that happened over an important, really important issue, the issue of the coming revolutionary period in the Tsarist Russia. And that's why they split over that issue. But normally, after that period, our tendency was to call for unity in the communist movement. But the ultras, the Maoists, the anarchists, the Trotskyites, people like IWW, the syndicalists, they tended to split. So you're correct. Ours was not a split. Ours was a forced refoundation.
0: So what is the Party of Communist USA doing to make sure it takes a better path than the Communist Party in America to set it on a better path than previous iterations?
2: The answer to that is... Difficult. This is the most difficult question, because no matter what we do, we cannot foresee a situation where you have somebody like a leader, like Browder, who at one time was a good leader, goes to prison, comes out of prison, and what does he do? He dissolves the party. What the capitalists wanted to do, he did from the top. Khrushchev comes along. Gorbachev comes along. How do you explain that leaders are the prime initiators of a destruction of a party. It's difficult to say. So the only thing we can do is try to do things a little different. For example, internal democracy. We've tried very hard to have internal democracy, comrades. It's the hardest thing to do. The tendency of people within the party sometimes is to get aggravated, to become disillusioned temporarily, and so they start snapping at each other, when the snapping should be done at the capitalists, not to each other. So under internal democracy and democratic centralism, if we can really keep that refined, where we don't become top-heavy, where we become more centralist than democratic, or where we become anarchistic, where we become too democratic and not centralized, we have to try to keep that even road. Comrade, it's very difficult. Look at it as someone on a tightrope in a circus. They're on a tightrope. They have to go from one point to the other. They have to balance themselves. If they fall on one side of that tightrope, we call it opportunism and revisionism. If we fall on the other side of that tightrope, we fall into ultra-leftism. So we've got to make sure we don't fall into either side of the tightrope. It's a balancing act, and it's very difficult
0: very well. And it reminds me of a quote from Stalin. The testing of the policy of the parties, not by their slogans and resolutions, which cannot be trusted, but by their deeds, by their actions. For only in this way can the confidence of the proletarian masses be won and deserved. And I think it goes very far to show that the party, as headed by you as the General Secretary at the moment, is very open and honest about this struggle and not pretending that this path is easy, trying to maintain a sensible level of democracy within an organization while maintaining stability as well. Being open and honest and self-critical about the steps and missteps that the party takes, I think is a very good sign to show people that this organization really is setting itself apart from others which are very closed off and secretive and really kind of sensory when it comes to
3: internal struggle.
0: So we've covered a lot of topics here. I know... The national charity is on as well do you have anything you'd like to add
4: when we were formed in the beginning as the national council of communists we were a formation and we weren't exclusively made up of people from the cpusa we were also made up of people from other tendencies and other groups some malice some other ideologies but the bulk of us came from the CP tradition that's what made us a little bit different that differentiated us and made us different from other communist parties that split we never split we were first dropped from the party so there was no split for example when we were in Los Angeles we intervened on behalf of the club in Houston with the national office of the USA. we said that there were no grounds for what was being asked of them, which was to return all of their apparatus, to shut down their website and to return all their funds. That was never necessary. And so we intervened on their behalf and we wrote a letter. And that's why they came after us. There were different reasons in different districts come after people. But the main reason was is that we did not agree with the change in ideology from what was essentially a communist party to a social democratic one. Second thing about this is that when Angelo speaks of tendencies to move either too far left or too far right, the second part of that is that you're not just moving too far left or too far right. The tendency is that when you move too far left, you become more sectarian and isolated and narrow. Your policies change so that you're not working with the masses. You don't support the things like working in mass groups and your organizing becomes internal and narrow. When you move the other direction, you're not organizing the party solely on a party basis. You're organizing the party in a coalition with all other parties and that is pretty much what the present CPUSA is doing. They're using the party to build a multi-pluralistic society, pluralistic sort of parliamentary arrangement, and they don't believe in the vanguard concept. That is a Leninist concept. So what they've done is they've rejected Leninism. They may speak about it, which is very important what Stalin said, because they may speak about Leninism on its own, but they're rejecting the first principle of Leninism, which is a vanguard party of a new type. So they don't believe in that. So those two things together help explain why we have this situation. We are trailblazers, and we have to start anew. And the easiest way to do that is to go back to the beginning, to where Lenin started from. So that's what we're doing.
0: Right. And you both have so much experience where you've been with the original party and hearing about the struggle, where it really became to the point where, in the interest of the working class, you Stood Your Ground, which made the reform of the old CP make it so that they kind of left, really, the proletariat behind. I think that really goes to show the issue with that organization as a whole.
5: I just wanted to recommend that book.
2: The United Front by yes. Georgi yeah. Dimitrov.
5: It was such a good book. And basically the best analysis, we all walk a tightrope. And we're walking a tightrope, holding the balancing beam. And on one side is a whirlpool of water, and that's ultra-leftism. If you fall off that side, you'll get sucked in. And then on the other side, there's this raging inferno, and that is the right opportunism. So if we go too far to the right, we start liquidating the paper, liquidating the LYC, liquidating labor today, just like the CP, liquidating clubs, we dissolve the party. That's what happens if we drop Leninism. That's what happens when we fall to the right.
0: When
1: the CPUSA had a change in policy and ideology, which I believe was done officially back in the 90s at their Congress. I'm assuming that this was done Democratic, meaning did the majority of CP members agree with dropping Leninism?
2: I'm glad you brought that up. In 1991, there was a national convention of the old CP. Let me explain something to you very carefully. Of all the groups on the left, the CP was always the biggest. Some ultra-left people say, oh, it doesn't matter if you're big or small. No, it does matter. Let me tell you why it matters. If you're bigger and you have half of your people involved in emotion, they're going to reach people who are not even in the party, like a ripple. You throw a pebble into a lake and it bounces on top of the water. It causes ripples. And those ripples are just as important because those are the people we touch. So... In the 1940s, the party, the CP, which we called the party, now we don't even call it that anymore because we're the party, and they're just a group. In 1940s, the third largest political formation in this country, according to all the historians, was the Communist Party. First was the Democrats, second Republicans. This is a mind-blowing statement. And the third was the Communist Party. Not the Socialists, the Communists. They were the most organized. That's why in the 50s, a few years later, we had a McCarthy period. Again, Michael Harrington, a Socialist, wrote a book in the early 70s called Socialism. You should be writing this down if you have a pencil and paper. He's not a Communist. In his book he said, the McCarthy period happened because the Democrats and Republicans joined together to get rid of the third largest political force in this country, which was the Communist Party. That's why we had the McCarthy period, according to him. I think there's a lot of truth in that. So we had a party in the early 40s that had a membership of maybe 80, 90,000. But the ripple effect was three or four, 500,000. Why am I even going into this? I'll tell you why. Because the situation that happened in 1991. This is after the New Left. The New Left started in the 60s, and in the 70s, and in the early 80s. But all throughout that whole time, the CP was the most formulative on the left. Well, there was a split in 1991, a real split, and it was over the issue of the Soviet Union. Remember, the CP was born in 1919 over the issue of the Soviet Union. We supported the Bolshevik Revolution, and the other forces in the socialist movement did not. We opposed World War I. We said it was an imperialist war. The socialists supported World War I. Why am I bringing World War I into it? Well, because the famous quote from Lenin that in a struggle against an imperialist war are the seeds are the seeds of a revolutionary movement, and that's true. That's what happened in Tsarist Russia. The three slogans, peace, land, and bread. And peace was number one. They wanted out of that war. The vast majority of the peasants and the people of Russia wanted out. The Tsarist government wouldn't do it. And so it was because of World War I, the seeds gave to the revolution of 1917. So from the very beginning, the communist movement internationally and the Comintern that was set up, that whole thing was set up around the Soviet Union. Well, comes 1991, and Gorbachev and his people set the beginning of the end, that's what happened, there was a split in the old party. I don't know how many people know this, but Gus Hall came out with this information later on. And people like James Jackson, these are names that don't mean anything to most of the young people, and Angela Davis, who became famous in 72, because she was imprisoned by the Reagan administration in California, and the party took her case up, and we had a Save Angela Davis case, which I personally was also involved in, where we went around to homes with a can. It was called Shake a Can for Angela. And we collected money for the lawyers for her. But people like Angela Davis, whose teacher was Herbert Marcuse, Herbert Marcuse, who was a French leftist, who was the father of the new left. He's considered the father, he was anti-Lenin. And that was her first teacher. So I think, and many people think, that she was influenced by him along the way. So the split in 91 it was over the issue of the Soviet Union. It was so bad, the split, that a group left. They were called Committees of Correspondence. And many of the good people that we thought were good, who lasted over many years, The older people went with the COC, Committees of Correspondence. They still exist today. They changed their name. It's called Committees of Correspondence for Socialism and Democracy. So the split happened to basically the Soviet Union over the issue of Gorbachev. There were those that were opposed to Gorbachev, like Gus Hall, and that group in the party, and those that supported Gorbachev. So it's unfortunate that it was over that issue. So that was the first split.
0: Would it be safe to say that split during the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991? Would you say that weakened the party and led to its eventual bourgeois reforms and revisions later yes. on? to turn it I into agree a
2: 100%, Comrade. I agree 100%. That's my uh, analysis of it. It was mm-hmm. the beginning of bringing back social democracy into the communist movement. Because it was basically a call for social democracy.
6: How does the revolutionary Communist Party, and forgive me if I mispronounce his name, Bob Avaikin, who I understand is a devout Maoist and very radical to the point, I guess, he had to flee the country to go and, I guess, self-exile somewhere in Europe to avoid being, I guess, arrested by the federal authorities. I understand that that party was formed in 1975 in Chicago, but apparently their ideals are very more radical than the
0: CPUSA,
6: I guess, at the time. is So what are your thoughts pertaining to the Revolutionary Communist Party, and how do they fit in with the current ideology?
2: Very easy. I was around when that party was born. They came out of the New Left. That's very important. They did not come out of the Stalin movement. They came out of the new left. Now, let me explain to you what happened. I was involved in this whole thing. It's like it was yesterday. You're going through my life here. What happened was that there was a newspaper called The Guardian. Initially, it was called The National Guardian, formed in 1948 as the mouthpiece of the Henry Wallace Progressive Party, supported very strongly by the Communist Party USA. This was a third-party movement, that was progressive, not communist, not socialist, but progressive. And we ran Henry Wallace, he was the vice president under Franklin Delano Roosevelt. When Roosevelt ran again, the leaders of the Democratic Party took Henry Wallace out. They took him out, he's the vice president. They took him out and they put in someone by the name of Harry Truman, who started out as a haberdasher in the Midwest. That's all he was originally. But he was very anti-Soviet. His famous quote during World War II, listen to this, we should support the Soviet Union if Germany is winning. We should support Nazis if the Soviet Union is winning. In other words, he was opposed to both of them. Now you all know, I hope you all know, that Roosevelt's platform is completely different. The great allied alliance that was formed with England, France, the United States, and the Soviet Union was an ally against fascism against Italy, against Germany, and against Japan. So for the democratic leadership, the bosses, we call them the bosses, to take out the vice president and to put in Truman with his anti-Soviet positions, they were creating the beginnings of the Cold War. So if you were to ask us, when did the Cold War start? After the war ended in 1945, the Cold War started in 47. That's what it started in forty seven and that was the beginning of the destruction of the alliance with the soviet union. so what happened is that the rCP was formed out of the new left and the remnants of the newspaper the Guardian was changed from nineteen forty eight when it was started it was a pro communist newspaper pro soviet by the time the seventy two came along seventy three the Guardian became a new left publication. I was a member of their editorial board. I sold a paper in campus. I know their whole position on everything. They were pro Castro, pro Third World Revolution, but anti Soviet, anti Soviet, anti Eastern European socialism. So out of that movement came the RCP. Now, what's important to know is the name of their newspaper is called Revolution. Now, you will know that Revolution. Can mean anything Hitler had a revolution many historians consider what Hitler did in Germany a revolution against the old guard against the Weimar Republic so not all revolutions are positive some of them are negative the RCP newspapers called revolution if you read their newspaper they don't mention anything really about capitalism it's just about we need to have a revolution we need to have a revolutionary situation Very, very strange.
0: Would you say that this is a good example of what a lot of people on the left today call adventurism, revolution for revolution's
2: sake? Yes, yes, comrade, you're correct.
1: I was a member of the CP for 10 years, joining in 1998 until 2008, and a lot of the conflicts that he mentioned started with Sam Webb, Uh, a lot of the more recent ones started with Sam Webb. And... He wrote something called Socialism for the 21st Century, and basically was a pamphlet that said that we shouldn't follow the example of the Soviet Union, but we should look elsewhere to follow our example of socialism, for example, in Chile. And it was taking everything that we learned about the Soviet Union and saying, well, we don't want to follow the Soviet Union. And he was also a proponent of taking Marxist-Leninism out of our Constitution, which they successfully did. Now they're trying to kind of come back to that, but that was a big thing. They also had circulated the idea of dropping the name of the Communist Party, but that has never taken place as of yet. Also, a lot of the people in the Committees of Correspondence rejoined the party and took over in leadership positions. And so they were originally against somebody like Gus Hall, who spent his life building the party. They came back in the party and then took it over. And that was the case in Minnesota. Where they just wanted to work with Democrats. They just wanted to work on democratic elections. They were only interested in that. It had nothing to do with class struggle. It had nothing to do with joining mass groups or anything else. They were only interested in really being Democrats. And an example of that in 2008, when Barack Obama won, the PWW, the communist paper, the headline said, we won when Barack Obama won in 2008. And that just gives you an example of how much they joined the Democratic Party. And in fact, in the election, Hillary Clinton got the endorsement of the CT before she got the endorsement of the Democratic Party, and that they endorsed Hillary Clinton first before anybody else. So just to show you how far to the Democratic Party that the Communist Party had become and how many of us could not take that anymore. I was
5: also in the party for seven years. I was in the YCL when there was a YCL, but the 21st century socialism. When that was published, it wasn't just criticized within the CPUSA, but internationally. The Greeks, basically our most fraternal parties, mentioned how people get hooked on slogans. The thing about Sam Webb's 21st century socialism is you have to read through the lines because they try to make it look real good. When you read through the lines, what you're reading is the liquidation of the party. And that means dissolving clubs, losing property, and breaking international ties. And it all failed. And here we are. We're the living proof that Sam Webb failed and that the party still exists.
0: Right. Going back to the quote I shared earlier, the testing of the policy of the parties, not by their slogans and resolutions, which can be trusted, but by their deeds, by their actions. And I think it's one thing to call yourself a communist. And I've even heard people that aren't even from the old CP mentioned, 21st century socialism is the way forward, getting caught up on these slogans, these sound bites that sound good to them, without ever paying attention to the deeds or the actions. This is what happens when unprincipled directions are taken and unscientific ones.
6: The Revolutionary Communist Party, I have the newspaper right in front of me. It is so sad because... They meet streams of having Donald Trump and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and all the rest of them. And they put BEB, Bourgeoisie Electoral bulls, and they put in everybody's face. So I was curious and I listened to Bob Avakian, and it's interesting, he seemed analyzing Marxism and all that, until I got to the second part that he was talking about how to militarily conduct the revolution rather than talking anything about uniting, supporting the workers, or whatever. So I was shocked and all that. My question is that Committee of Correspondence, in a sense, was more left. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Yeah. Because they accepted and they were working with Soviet Union.
2: Yeah, well what happened, I just want to answer that quickly. When Gus Hall died in 2000, then the Committees of Correspondence became more left than the CP. You're right.
6: So why and how it happened that Communist Party could keep all the wealth accumulated in New York? What was the number?
1: 235,
6: West 23rd Street. Right. How come they got everything and no way to get something Committee of Correspondence or Party of Communism? We weren't
2: around at the time when this happened. We started, as said, our initial name was NCC, National Council of Communists USA. We were a pre-party formation. I guess it was like three or four years before we became a party, which was 2014 or 15. So it was before that. But this thing you're talking about happened way, way in 91, which was almost 15 years before we were around. But very important, COC did take property. They took a lot of property. The buildings that we had in San Francisco were taken by the COC people. So that did happen.
3: I think we have to be very optimistic on a global level because the Gorbachev betrayal of the Soviet Union on the contrary, is producing much more militant and radical forces throughout the former Warsaw Pact countries. In the first place, the Gorbachev decision to dismantle the Communist Party of the Soviet Union did not have any popular backing because there was a referendum. And I think 177 million people in Russia and the Warsaw Pact countries, they said that they want socialism, not globalization and stuff like that. So right there, it shows you that his platform was totally defeated. And now, after the so-called neoliberal ideology, which became essentially social fascist, most of the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact countries, they have said that the Gorbachev revolution was full of and nothing culturally, nothing in terms of economic progress, nothing in terms of employment opportunities. So they are coming back, and the promise of imperialism to create better conditions for the masses of the Warsaw Pact countries. It has backfired. It's a watershed situation globally, but we have to be very optimistic because this shows that this is the victory of socialism on a global plane, because the balance of forces is radically shifting against the ruling classes of Europe and North America. So I think we have to be very optimistic.
0: So, what would you say, if you had one blurb to tell somebody, the Party of Communist USA, what is their guiding principle, would you say?
2: Simple, comrades. Gus Hall, my hero, really, he was one of my heroes. He drew a picture of a book. And on the book, it had a picture of a key. You know, the old-fashioned skeleton key. And it said, our guide, Marxism-Leninism. That's it in two words. Today we would say, a GPS. We need a GPS to go from one place to another. Marxism-Leninism is our GPS. We should have a bumper sticker like that. That is our GPS. That's our guide. That's our compass. That has proven time and time again to be correct. Everything else is false. All these people who talk about a third way, who talk about, oh, it's not communism, it's not capitalism, it's a third way. Lenin's answer to that, there is no third way, there never was a third way, there never will be a third way. It's a class struggle to the death between two forces, between those 1% that control this planet and the 99% of us who work and slave and sweat, either through mental or physical work. That's the struggle. And the only way to solve that struggle is through a science that has proven, proven it can take people from one spot in history, from capitalism and bring it to socialism. No other system has done this except Marxism and Leninism.
0: There are people on the left now who are brand new to it. They're trying to look for an organization the first time. They're trying to look for a place to follow or to see what they're doing. So when confronted with all these options, like DSAs, huge membership ranks, or the PSLs, nice, fancy, picketing signs, or all these other organizations on the left. What do you say to someone who's trying to decide between all these organizations?
2: I'm honest. Comrade, didn't I tell you that you have to look for yourself, the one you feel comfortable with? We mentioned the different groups. They all represent something different. What I tell everybody that I interview who's outside of the party. One has to feel comfortable. If one doesn't feel comfortable in the group they're in, and the party they're in, then get out. Try to find one that you're comfortable with. But do not be a loner. Do not be an individualist. Do not think that you acting on your own is going to have any effect at all on society. We're told in this country that the individual is the most important. I come from a different perspective. My perspective is that the collective, all the individuals together their brain power together, their ethics together, all of that, that will create a new society. But this individual nonsense of working outside of a party is crazy. So what is the difference between all of these? I think what has been our main crowning achievement has also been sometimes our real big problem. We allow a lot of democracy in our party. And people who have never been part of any other party, they don't understand this because they can't compare it. But if you were a member of any other party and you come to us, the other parties tell you what to do, and you either do it or you get out. And that goes for all the parties the parties like PSL, the CPUSA, all of them. They don't give you a chance to make decisions. Our party has been internal democracy. And sometimes it hurts us, comrades. Let me be honest. Sometimes we give authority to people who are not ready to take that authority. And they take the ball and they run with it like in a football game. Instead of throwing the ball to someone else who could bring it to the goal, they take the ball and they say, I'm going to show that I'm going to make this football team a good team by running to the goal myself. And that's exactly what some people have done. So our mm-hmm. greatest achievement has also been our problem.
0: Would you say that when trying to look at all these other organizations, looking at the Party of Communists versus PSL, DSA, Workers' World, is that this party is more willing to take risks with people from different perspectives, people who aren't a part of the activist clique, so to say, people who are coming into it the first time. We are more open to letting those people who have not been in the scene, the activism, the ideological, hearing their perspectives, hearing their ideas, whereas other organizations are more, it's funny to say, but more authoritarian in that sense. They claim to be more democratic. They dismiss the authoritarianism of Stalin, yet here they are not even listening to people who come in from these different perspectives. Is that a fair thing to say? It's a fair
2: thing to say, but I want to also warn everyone. That tightrope, constantly have that tightrope in front of you. We got to walk that tightrope in order to get from one end of the circus to the other. We cannot go too far on one side or the other. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to build this party. It's a struggle, and people have to be willing to do that. We're trying to build a machine, and it's very important. We need everybody to be a gear in that machine. We need people to take a responsibility. I will do this and just this. The next person says, I will do this, and then you have a machine. That machine will last after you and I are gone. The machine will stay.
0: Final question. You're saying, here is why I joined, or here's what I see in this party. Here's what makes me stay. Here's what keeps me going. Why should people join or support this party?
2: Easy. Alienation. Marx used the word alienation. There's nothing but alienation. The only thing that has sustained, in my opinion, many people over the centuries, has been the family unit. The family unit has disintegrated because capitalism has destroyed it. There is no more family unit, but yet we need a group of people that we could work with that could be part of who we are. I call it a family, and it doesn't have to be a biological family. It has to be an ideological family that we can help each other. We need to do that. That family structure and feelings for each other as comrades, we have to have passion for our ideology Of Marxism, Leninism, of working class solidarity. And we need that. But we also need compassion. We don't have compassion for our comrades. Many times we don't have it. That's part of our ethics. Our ethics is to help people in our family, and this is our family. Why I think this is important? Because none of the other groups do that. None of them. If a comrade is sick, they don't even care if they're sick. They don't call them up. They don't say, do you need anything? I'll send you some money. You don't have that generally in the left in this country. I can't speak for the rest of the planet. But our party goes beyond that. We have to take care of our own. We have to take care of our mm-hmm. comments because alienation is widespread and people are separated all over the country. We have to be there for each other.
0: I think that's a really good place for us to close off the People's School tonight. I want to thank everyone for coming on. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, all comments.
1: Thank you for watching this full-length class from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. For more information, or if you're interested in attending classes, visit our website, check out our YouTube channel, or email info at psmls.org.